Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Doma Media. Thank you, Yola Tango, as always. Today's show, we're going to do a so you want to dot, dot, dot. The dot, dot, dot means it can be sometimes you want to be a editor of a magazine that five people read every month. It's a lot of people who want to dot, dot, that, that. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. You want to become a celebrity chef. Dot, dot, dot. You want to become a six foot seven <laughs> former water polo player. Non-basketball Non-basketball oriented <laughs> right. individual. Dot, dot, dot. Could, be, could it be so you want to or get better at ordering wine at a restaurant? Shout out I, Isaac Lee. Dot, dot, dot. A producer. Slash musician that hates music and food. <laughs> right. Could be anything. Could be anything. You could become anything. Oh, the things you could be. And another new segment that we're going to simply talk about bad Yelp reviews. Mm-hmm. Bad Yelp reviews. Yeah. You have to parse that sentence differently, though. But first, we're going we're gonna to just talk about a few random things. And uh, well, we'll we'll get we'll get started with that. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to three percent daily cash on every purchase every day. That's three percent on your favorite products at Apple, two percent on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and one percent on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a very delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. So, I've been making fun of Chris. Which one are we about to go to? I don't even know which thing you're about to talk about. There's a gym. Oh, my God. There's a gym in our office structure. And... um, the only person that hasn't gone yet is Chris Chen. <laughs> right. That's true. But you have frequented. Mm-hmm. And I try to sneak in some time. You were in there with some regularity, I hear. But Chris has hired a personal trainer. Yeah. I've outed you, sir. God damn it. Look at that. Fucking, feeling, look at your fucking so, physique. I'm feeling, I'm feeling so shy about this. But yeah. So I don't know what I'm... But okay, so you have him. Before you start making fun of me, and, I'm not and making the, fun of you. Listen, I'm not making fun of you. I'm really not. I'm just like, this is funny. <laughs> it is funny. But the reason why is I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do in there. Someone's got to tell me what to do. You know what to do. <laughs> but there have been a couple of occasions where Dave and I have overlapped, and it's been awesome. <laughs> So he told me on the way over here today that it's, uh, hey, at 2.30, I got a training session. I was, hmm, didn't have that on my docket today, but (laughs) guess who's going to try to work out at 2.30 as well? Me. Dave has a a gym bro character (laughs) that he assumes once he steps foot in the gym and 
and I am there as well. And uh, you call him that effort? <laughs> I said maximum effort, son. You're overweight in the belly, but you are fat in the head. Yeah. There's nothing I can do about the obesity of your brain, son. There's, there is something too accurate about this character where I, if I were your therapist, I'd be like, let's dig into this. Where does this guy come from? But he has a very specific thing. And that's the worst uh, set I've ever seen in my life. And the worst part about this. Don't whole tell thing is, anybody that I'm your trainer. The worst, <laughs> the worst part about this is everybody else loves this character. Everybody else loves this motherfucker. So when Chris is trying to push weights up, I'm like, yeah, you can do it. Push, push, push. But he's like, what the, the yelling voice you're doing now is like a podcast yell in the gym. You are full throated yelling at me, <laughs> just like not even joking. And everybody is loving it except for me. We're all on the ground laughing, but it does make you stronger. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's, it may not sound funny to anybody else. I think it's pretty good. But when all, everyone in the gym, which is five people, is yeah. like, this is, this is, I'm, we're enjoying this. I do. I said that. I said this, and, and I, I wonder if people agree that your disposition, your experience, had you not become a chef, personal training might have been your fucking calling. Yeah, I mean, I would be if you were my actual trainer. I would, I would be scared into motivation. Hmm. Well, there's always hope that that could happen. <laughs> it's never too late. I love this character. I'm coming to love this character, but it is a pain in the ass to work out with this guy. Feel so so embarrassed. Two thirty is gonna be awesome. <laughs> but what was hilarious was the other day I had uh, I had to get something for our kids last night, uh, late night, and I had, went to Vons and and near the Vons, which is a supermarket for those that don't know, I saw because usually I don't go shopping for stuff at like ten thirty. Mm-hmm. I think I had to I had to get some medicine. I saw a taco stand, and there's a taco stand that you are familiar with as well. Yeah, I believe it's in Eagle Rock. Eagle Rock, right? Yeah. yeah, this is a. It's I think it's frequented by like post bar people, right? Like I, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Christmas lights around it and stuff. I think. Yeah, I saw a bunch of people congregating, right? And I had to take a look. Were they the people that, again, not judging a book by its cover? But I needed to judge the color of the paper. (laughs) No, not only that. If the color of the paper was a certain color, did they look like they knew what they were doing? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. There's certain colored papers that do know what they're doing. Because there's a rally. My color paper had no idea what the fuck was going on. (laughs) And I outed myself as a total dum-dum to everybody there. Because there wasn't a menu. There Mm -hmm. were cuts of meat that I was not familiar with. Without a name behind it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was so matter of fact, like so quick too, right? Looked great. I didn't know if it was Pastor. I didn't know any of the other names. I didn't want, so I just pointed and I choked. I I choked under pressure. What was your, what was your safety order? I said that one. That looked, I also, you know, what I did on my pointing it's very similar again when I don't remember someone's name. Hey, John. Hey, <laughs> hey, Christina. 
So what I did when I pointed, I oh. pointed in the direction of four things. Hoping he's going to interpret it as like, yeah, he's going to get what everyone else gets. Right. So that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And it worked. But I don't know if it worked because he could have given me anything. I didn't ask. I was too embarrassed. And my Spanish says, you know, uh-huh. he's okay in certain situations, but not like that. I didn't know. I choked. But where I choked was, <laughs> how many tacos would you like? One. Whoa. <laughs> that's a real, that, <laughs> whatever I've got, you've got. So that's a real fooled, panic move. I could have fooled everybody with the, the pointing. Yeah. One. 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 One taco. And then, would you like it for here or to go? And I said, to go. <sighs> Dave. <laughs> One. One taco to go. One taco para llevar. Por favor. One taco. Wrap it up and put it in a bag for me. So when the words were uttered and that they were in the ether, I knew this is a shameful moment. One taco to go. <laughs> the Dave Jake story. It could oh, have been God. easier if I just said one, go back in line because I wanted it fresh. But I, <laughs> they wrapped it up in foil and I took, and everyone's now like by the, the condiment bar, right? Loading up their plates, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they're looking at me, peeling over, unwrapping your to-go taco, and they were judging me, mm-hmm. and they're like, "I think that guy is David Chang." <laughs> yeah, and boy, <laughs> I'm never going to listen to anything this motherfucker ever says ever fucking again. This fucking guy doesn't know anything about food. One time, it was dark, man. And what is he wearing? <laughs> I was going to say the other thing I love about this story is. At this, at this point in our lives, at our age and our, our situations, the only moment where you are going to overlap with the crowd at this taco stand at 1030 at night is as they are grabbing a bite between drinks and you're picking up some medicine for your kids at Vaughn's. That's the only possible overlap. I was wearing shorts and like a t-shirt you only wear inside and like sandals. Like the kind of outfit that you would just, it's the endorsement. It's the endorsement jersey, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I was wearing, right? You're wearing your And if uniform. you're celebrated endorsement, as I like to think of myself, right? You make sure that you're not visible to fucking anybody outside. <laughs> but sometimes you forget. Sometimes it's a lot like when you're an NBA player and there's the stories of, hey, you never think you're going to get in the game, but like six people get injured. You're like, hey, you're in. And you, you know, you, you right. forgot to wear Game pants because you're always wearing warm ups. Well, it actually, it, what it actually is, <laughs> if the shorts, t shirt, and sandals is the indoorsman's uniform, it's as though an NBA player just wore their game uniform out into the world. So just went to the grocery inevitably, store. Inevitably, right before close out of a supermarket, there's only like one lane that's open. And um, I bought a few other things. I bought some meat for uh, the studio too, because mm-hmm. that's a whole nother story. So as I'm paying and I'm looking at my outfit, I'm like, huh. Oh, then I look behind me. I'm like, thank God I don't look like that fucking guy. What was that guy? That guy was wearing polka dot, like box, basically just boxers. Oh, it was a PJ person. Just out. Out. Just out. I but with, hate it. But with what looked like the dirtiest indoor sandals you've ever seen <laughs> in your life. Right? The kind of sandal that, for those that don't know, if you go into a Korean household, for example, mm. I'm sure other Asian households do it, but we now know that if you are certain wealth status, mm-hmm. Asian, 
you wear short shoes indoors. We've made that very clear. <laughs> Have we actually talked about this where you're, there is a level of wealth. <laughs> We've encountered this where we say, I wonder if this is the kind of rich Asian that's so rich they wear indoor yeah. shoes. <laughs> but a lot of times you wear indoor shoes, but they're designed mm-hmm. for indoor shoes. So a lot of homes just have like, well, you know, guest slippers. Mm-hmm. The fuzzy terry cloth like thing. This fucking guy was wearing them outside. I. <sighs> so I, I was like, I mean, as, as underdressed and schlubby that I looked. This guy had a popsicle, uh, like one of those low calorie things. And he's like, and I looked at him. He's like, buying it for my wife. <laughs> I was like, don't, been, he's like, he's like, don't judge me. Like, I, I got it. Right? You've been sent out. Okay. okay so now okay. we're in line and we look behind us. I, 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 I couldn't take a photo. It would be too fucking rude. <laughs> we both look at each other, me and, and, and polka dot slipper dude. We look at this guy. And we're like, holy shit. It's like he was wearing a midriff, but his entire butt crack, belly, everything was showing. And it was like, um, it was like he was wearing like an under armor, like pullover thing, but it was uh-huh. way too tight that it couldn't even fit <laughs> under him. And, and it almost looked like it was like a, a you know. It was it's like, like a, a belly t shirt spilling out like a salt, like an overstuffed. But it wasn't. Sausage. Clearly, it was not. Uh-huh. So we, we're, he's thinking the exact same. I'm thinking polka dot, dude. And we're like, so it's you, yeah. in loungewear. Then it's Mister Polka Dot, and then it's belly shirt behind that. And here's the thing: what the belly shirt dude was doing that I thought was so fascinating. He was clearly making ratatouille. <laughs> 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 I mean, like from here down, nothing but like. Like, like real big boy belly. Like right, right, you just, right, right, you got to right. own it and he's owning it. It's sure, almost sure, sure. like he was celebrating it. It was accentuating. He was belly. flaunting. He's flaunting what he's got, but you saw his groceries. Yeah. And you were like, but I, here's the thing. So shame on me. I looked at this guy and I said to myself, there's no way I, I'm judging him clearly. Mm-hmm. Sort of like, wow, that's amazing. It's amazing. But he's clearly making radish. So we have three extremely underdressed idiots, right? And I have like Benadryl and 70, 30 ground beef, mm-hmm. some American cheese. This guy's got skinny, skinny popsicle shit. Does he have anything else? Oh, no, God. that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and he did one of these things texting back, and he's like, ah, oh. he's like, I got to go back. I got to go else. back. He got to change his flavors. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Doghouse, bro. Um, I never would have guessed the guy wearing a, a midriff, mm-hmm. you know, Under Armour gear yep. would be making Ratatouille. What did you see? I, I don't, you know what I thought? I was like, I bet you this guy watched Ratatouille. <laughs> it was like mid-Ratatouille. Just mid-Ratatouille. Because I'm like, okay. About Roma tomatoes. He's got zucchini. He's got squash. He's got eggplant. He's got basil. He's got thyme. He's got onions. Oh, he's 100% making 100% ratatouille. 100% making there's ratatouille. No other, there's nothing else you can make. I'm like, wow. <laughs> wow. That's a level of freedom that I aspire I to. I know. I know. Just like. I never would have ju- Don't. I'm just saying, don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> well, <laughs> moral of the story. <laughs> don't judge a book by its cover. But do. I love it, man. 
I love it. Another thing we were going to talk about. Wait, but the taco was, was good? You didn't say whether oh, your single so taco. it was delicious. And here's another thing. Like, I didn't know. I always find it funny where people might comment like, oh, I can't believe it or no, or he doesn't like it. I'm like, no. You know. I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. Clearly. I'm the first one to fucking tell you that. How would I know everything about Mexican cuisine? I don't. I don't even know what they were cooking, but I, they had all kinds of stuff set up. Mm-hmm. But I'm also nervous, right? The kind of nervous you get when you're like, I don't know exactly how to and what to do. Especially when there's no menu, there's no nothing. Okay, so by the way, I just want to point out that that nervousness is actually an indication of respect. You're nervous because you are you don't want to disrespect anything or anyone around you. How I ordered was disrespectful <laughs> because it showed I was just a, you know, it was like that. Uh, I'm going to get you second with Chris Rock, like one rib, one taco to go. one taco to go. And uh, I sat there and I, I ate it like, whoop, done. I was like, I, it's like almost 11 o'clock. I really shouldn't even gotten one taco. Should I go back for more? So I have to think about it anyway. I while I was getting the taco, I saw that there was a container of potatoes. I didn't know. Mm. I thought that was a, a filling of something. He's like, when I got it, he's like, yeah, that's free. Mm. So I just took one potato. I ate it. I was like, wow, that was delicious. It was like cooked in pork fat. So good. He had another container, like a big third pan of, looked like charred serrano peppers mm-hmm. sitting in, I think, again, pork fat. I didn't know. I didn't know you could just take that shit. Mm-hmm. And I saw these people just taking it out, like going back in line, taking it. Yeah. And I was, I just felt like a total dumbass. So now that I'd eaten my, tom- here's the problem. I've eaten my taco. My one taco. Right. Do I go back for a, two more and then do it proper? Or I was like, ah, I'm sick. That's, I, you know, it's almost, I shouldn't be eating this late. I have one taco. Should I go back in line and just take potatoes and chili peppers? Without getting anything else. Right. Does your, does your license to use the salsa bar stop once you've finished your taco? Are you allowed to return but without again, a taco? The, again, the thing that was, I didn't understand, so someone that's just learning Southwest Airlines queuing, like, I'm telling you the truth. I, you're by the, the Comal and they're cooking, 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 and then you go down, you pay, and then there's a taco bar condiment. There's a whole middle section that... It's like you can just, it's like a hot condiment bar. Mm. I, I didn't know that. Mm. Mm. So I left with my. That was the potatoes and serranos and stuff. And the maybe whole some other things. Yeah, yeah, I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. But yeah, you got, that, this is, yeah, this is, you. this is learning. Now you return. And it was a delicious taco. You know what I'm nervous about? Oh my God. You think that's a delicious taco? You're an idiot. As we'll, as we'll get to in this, in these bad Yelp reviews, like so often, ugh, I can't. I but can't I did get it. my uh, doctorate in, uh, from Phoenix University at, uh, in, in Pombaso. Yeah, you are a Pombaso scholar. That's I am. true. Above reproach. We did get, we did get uh, our, our paperwork our, signed on that. Um, so, you, taco, taco etiquette. It just, and, and I agree with you. It's easy to do it when it's like there. When, like, when there's like one or two things. But there was a whole smorgasbord of shit. And you're, it's, it's etiquette is the right word. You're not going to offend anybody necessarily. 
but it is, it's like the way people talk about us when we're eating pho or whatever, where it's like, I, I don't know. I don't know which thing to eat first. I'm just doing what feels naturally most delicious. And also, I didn't know those were free. <laughs> like, I didn't know those were free. But again, if it is free, how much are you supposed to take? Right. One enough? One potato per taco? I don't know. Do I look like an idiot for taking one? I, I feel you. There's a lot of things I don't know. Wait, I don't remember the potatoes. What are the potatoes? There's potatoes. Just cooked potatoes in. Yeah, you see, you don't even know. Shit, I didn't even know about this. And then I saw this guy come back and he loaded up his plate with potatoes. Like, motherfucker. I'm telling you. But does that that person look like they they knew what they were doing? And I, you know what I was thinking to myself? This is gonna be good date night. (laughs) Look out, Grace. All right, we'll take a break. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. All right, so you want to. We're going to start out the first so you want to dot, dot, dot. So, Chris Yang, do you want to go to cooking school? So, you want to become a professional chef? So, I want to. This, to me, ties in a little bit with the gym thing where it's, uh, if I were trying to become a cook and I were afraid to just walk into a restaurant and ask for a job, I would say I need some direction. I need some training. You're overweight physically, but (laughs) mentally. You're morbidly obese. (laughs) And right here, your heart. I can't fix that, dude. I can't fix that. That's all you. There's no machines to work on your heart, buddy. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I want to go to culinary school. I want to become a chef. And I say, Dave, I want to go to culinary school. What advice do you have for me? A lot of it, I'm going to say that you are a youthful person. Okay. So you have not entered college yet. I think there's different answers for different age brackets. And this has nothing to do with age per se, but it's simply about there's so many people that enter the culinary profession at different times in their lives. So I want to start at the very, very beginning where you're most legally allowed to work as a, as a 18 year old in a professional kitchen. Because career changing is a whole nother subject. So Mm -hmm. really it's, so you want to be a professional cook dot, 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 or go to college. Right. It's a little bit of a decision tree we're talking about here, right? Where, where there's, there's different junctures, right? So let's say I'm 18 and I... Or nine, oh, you're really 18 ni- or 19, 19 in a- America because in Asia you start at zero, which is bullshit. <laughs> so I, but really I'm turning 47 this year. So decision, what, what is the first question you ask me as an 18, 19 year old? If I just say like, I'm thinking about going to culinary school. It's pretty loaded, you know, um... I try my best to dissuade everybody. And the reason I bring this up is I got an email from um, a friend in New York and their son uh, who, who I won't get too much into it as I don't want to out them. 
is extremely bright, could do anything. Wants to learn how to cook. And I have resigned the fact that, okay, they genuinely want to cook. Great. So that's part of it is like, do you actually want to do this? So if I'm 18 or 19 and I, let's say I've, let's say I've gotten into a good state school or school that my parents can afford, I can afford whatever, whatever. I say, go to, go to college. Your answer is almost universally. Go to college. 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 But I really want to cook, Dave. Great. Get a job like everybody else. Go to college. Get a job in the kitchen. Yeah. Okay. Who is the answer? Yes. You should go to culinary school for. The people that need to go to cooking school are the people that, you know, and I want to be careful because like someone like Kwame Onuwachi is very, very pro cooking school. And there are people that are pro cooking school. I'm not, but that's not, that's the thing is it's not for everybody. It's the kind of person that wants to, is so inquisitive, has already, is already working at every possible restaurant and all they can think about sleep and breathe is learning to be completely immersed in cooking. I would say that's, that's a very rare, you know, one, when you see one, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Like that's where they should be, but it's so rare. I can't, I can't recommend it to anybody else, particularly when you put it in, listen, if cooking school was a trade school and it was free and it was part of an apprenticeship program or something like that, like you see in Germany or Australia. And, uh, you know, I, I had, Work with that when we are in Australia, uh, apprenticeship program, I think is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Like you're getting real world experience, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the cost of cooking schools is so high. And just to rattle off, the, the top ones are what? Um, Johnson Wales. Johnson and Wales, which is $40,000 a year. CIA, Culinary Institute of America, which has multiple campuses, but mainly based in Poughkeepsie, $50,000 a year with room and board. And Johnson Wales has multiple locations. You have the, I don't even know what my alma mater is called now, but French culinary, I think is ICE or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And there's local, we know local community college because we were working on a TV show about local schools that have programs. So there's, a, there's tons of options. And I'm really talking about the ones that cost north of 40000 One of the reasons, I just want to I back up a tiny bit. So one of the reasons why you say go to college and get a job in the kitchen is you're going to get this and you write about this in Eat a Peach too, it's, it's the, the breadth of education experience you're going to get as a college student, if you can get into college, is going to be as useful to you as the technical skills that you pick up. Just being able to think about things differently. To think critically and to honestly, you know, if you're not going to be a, a technical person, say an engineer, electrical engineer, doctor, you know, yeah. civil engineer, that kind of thing. Everything else to me, and I want to be so uh, reductive here. It's about learning how to be sociable, learning how to think. Mm-hmm. And I, always, I, I think that if you did become a career changer with a four-year degree, not that college is everything. In a lot of ways, college is sort of nothing, but mm-hmm. you learn these things and network, et cetera, that allows you to sort of move forward in your life. If you have that degree and then you decide to become a cook and you've worked four years or a year, or even if you never worked in college as a cook or server, you can Learn that after the fact. And, you know, I do think most cities in America now have great restaurants. You can work there and, and learn while literally learning everything else, academically speaking. Now, if you do that, you 
always have the option to fall back into another field. And to me, this is all about optionality. If you reverse this and say you go to a two or four year program because it's associate and like bachelor's programs, I can't remember, but I do know most of these schools offer two to four. And I'm not trying to lambast all of them. No, it's not. I just feel like it's offered, this dream is offered to everybody that it's going to be the stepping stone to greatness for them, but not at the cost, right? You're looking at a four year program that could be $250,000. That's like an expensive, normal, I mean, what college costs these days anyway. So if I got a degree in English or engineering and then I wanted to become a chef, at least I have the ability to, hey, I did something else. But if I you spent this. the same amount on training in one field and one field only, you don't have the option. If I leave four years or two-year program and my degree is in the culinary arts and I find out, or even if you didn't find out, because this has happened, right? You know, my, my partner lost his finger and they couldn't cook anymore. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that can happen. Your options aren't, they're not impossible, but they're much more narrow than ever before than, than what could be possible if you didn't have a culinary degree. And for that reason alone, I think it's important to bring up that the, I think the attrition rate without anything out there, I think it's around 70 to 80%. Mm-hmm. For anybody that's gone to a cooking school program, they're not in the business after five years. We've talked about this ad nauseum over, especially before the pandemic. I would say there's probably one or two people in um, cooking school. I mean, like Josh was like, I think a couple months ahead of me. We're talking about Josh Keens. I think he's the only person in his class that's still cooking. I think I'm the, or Max, there's two. I think there's two of us in a class of 30 that are still cooking. So like, if you take on the high end, three out of 30 people cooking, what's that percentage? Mm-hmm. 10%? That's not very high. And it was 10%, like pretty much like 24 months after graduation. Right. And so, I mean, so let's say the same goes for an English major. Let's say that three out of 30 people who study English are working in the field of language arts. Doesn't actually matter because they found a job doing something else. Right. You know, whereas this is, this is more, and then we've talked about this. I don't know if you, I don't know if you want to touch on this at all, but some of that, you brought it up as a comparison to say like, a doctor or a lawyer where no guarantees, but if I go to med school, I'm probably going to come out the other end as a, as a doctor. If I go to law school, I'm probably going to come out the other end as a lawyer. If I go to cooking school, there's no guarantee. I will percentage come out as a chef. is greater that you are not going to be in the culinary industry within five years. And a very tiny percentage chance that I'm actually going to become a capital C chef. Right. And again, if this data was public and it was shared, I'm pretty sure there would be a congressional hearing. <laughs> they really, right. So, this not not as a side note, but again, why I I like thinking about other things or say, um, if you're focused on one thing, it really does paint yourself into a corner. Not always, clearly that that's not the case. But you know, when you read about athletes that played multiple sports growing up, Mm -hmm. you know they say that one of the issues with say basketball players there's too many hours of them pounding their ankles and their shins and their knees playing basketball all the time. They're not playing anything else like soccer, et cetera, because it's only one thing. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean they're not going to be great, but like they become commoditized in terms of the information they know. It's similar to the conversation we had with Kevin O'Connor. If you're only focused on being a great athlete in regards to everything else, your viewpoint is most likely going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Hard 
it's I'm not that's I think it's harder to see outside of yourself. Right. So, you know, and you see the people that have done a lot of different things or have a point of view that's different is because they have a diverse background in what they've done and how they've played, played things out. It's not just basketball. It's soccer. It's chess. It's taekwondo. Whatever. Well, this is actually very easy to see in the culinary world. If you just look at, if you, if you were to list 10 chefs that you admire, I'm pretty sure all of them have some sort of different background than just a linear trajectory straight from, I want to be a cook. I went to culinary school. I became a chef and I became a chef and now I'm a chef. Like very yeah. few like high level ones. But for the sake of this conversation, let's say I'm a Kwame type of person where Kwame has, he's like, I got plenty of life experience. <laughs> I don't need to go to college to get life experience. I need culinary school as an opportunity that is not presented to me otherwise. How do you go about, if, if you're somebody in the, in the percentage of people who you're going to say, yes, you should go to culinary school, how do I pick one and how do I get the most out of that experience? Well, that's the problem. It's like, I don't know how to pick one. I Do you remember how you picked? I wanted to go to the six-month program mm-hmm. or nine-month program, whatever it was, because I had already had a four-year college degree, even though it was a degree in nothing, right? And I felt that I was behind. I really did at the time. I didn't know. But going back to this, uh, the son of my friend, they're applying for an, extra, an externship program to a top restaurant group. I could... I'm intentionally not helping out. Mm-hmm. I said, hey, you can do that. And I'm not going to call with them. I, I don't want to taint or alter any revelations that might come up. Because I think it's important that they come in without any favors or nothing. Because th- those first day to a week is really make or break if you think this industry is for you or not. Great. And that actually, of all things, like not, not to whatever, but that's the biggest favor you can do is not pulling a special favor. And I, t- I said, listen, if they, don't, if they don't allow you in, they reject your application. So, well, there's only one thing and you really want it, then you show up every day. You show up every day and you wait outside every day, all the time, and you do whatever you can to be helpful and to be an assistant to the team. Inevitably, they will give you some kind of job. If only to stop being so annoying. Yes. Like that's, that's just how it's going to happen. So a lot of it is persistence. Even if the door is shut, it's really not shut per se. Now, if this person had a culinary degree, would that matter? I would argue no. Right. And that's the thing is what does it bring you that other people, like other avenues won't. Right. I mean, can you give a... It's easy for me to say I went to school. I, I, but I've seen plenty of cooks that didn't go to... You don't need it today. Right. And the reason I also say this, I, I'm not bashing it completely. I really am not. Uh, but I think that it's a system that is not necessarily good for the culinary industry as a whole, simply because of how things are sort of set up. So a lot of these cooking schools, say CIA, they graduate... And uh, less so Johnson and Wells, but I, get, I, I know all of them do this to some degree. You graduate, you know, a class of 25 people every month. Most of those people will have jobs lined up and say it's the Ritz Carlton or the Four Seasons. And they're saying they have a, because they're a big restaurant, a hotel chain, 
they're going to have relations with these culinary schools because it's a feeder program for employment. So there's some arrangement, mm-hmm. clearly, between the two. I don't know what it is, but it's not like a Chinese wall even exists. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to offer a placement for five graduates every year, every month at one of our 10 locations. Bali, it's in Aspen, it's in, you know, St. Tropez, <laughs> Kona, Hawaii, places that are fucking amazing. And offering it to people that usually are unencumbered with a family and any sort of ties. I've seen this. They go work there for two years. It's probably a three-year contract option, team option for like, you know, a third year. They almost never offer that extension to anybody past 24 months. Because hmm. they can just get a new crop. Because this, there, there's not a lot of innovation happening at these restaurants. We're talking about big behemoths that are very structured, amazing standard operating procedure, and you're just executing. And your role really is sort of like when you go to a military academy and you graduate as a first lieutenant, you, because you've gone to a great culinary school and you learn, you know more than most, you enter a lot of times sort of as a junior sous chef or a sous chef without, you know what I mean? Right. And you now on your resume can say, I'm a sous chef. But did you learn? You, you will learn a lot, but you will learn how to basically keep the fire stoked, this engine humming that you're, you're now associated with wherever you are in the world at this, this really nice hotel, making beautiful food. So now you have real experience, but in a system, highly systemized. Now, if you're a sports fan, it's basically like you learned how to play football without any plays. And it's like a only read option, you know, RPO shit. Mm-hmm. There's like no critical thinking. Everything you're doing is basically, you know what the outcome is going to be. And you can be very successful doing that. But when you're, not offered to stay there, or you're like, hey, I've had enough sun and sunshine. I'm, I'm going to go back to the city. I want to learn my career and elevate here, here. I'm going to go work for this chef that I've always admired. And then you enter in and you are now spending time with two you know, like other cooks that have spent the same two years working for highly ambitious restaurants that have used modern techniques and they've just more fleshed out thought mm-hmm. in the culinary process of how to think and new ingredients seasonality, real intense, not intense, but like moments of VIPs and cooking for all kinds of situations that may not happen on an island in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And not one is better than the other, but when you're trying to go from resort cooking to ambitious urban cooking, it's a completely different ballgame. So... It almost, it's a high failure rate for that transition. Right. That's what I've seen. Right. Right. And again, most of the cooking that happens in independent restaurants like that, that doesn't, trans, you know, I mean, like you got to find your moat here. Let me, let me ask you a, a, a very basic question. What, what percentage of professional cooks, whether they're in a hotel resort environment or an ambitious urban restaurant, what percentage of cooks do you think aspire to be the chef of their own restaurant? It's less and less. 
Less and less. Less and less. Well, th- here's the thing. There are more options now. If you want to be in the culinary industry, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Really, you can be a food stylist. You could be a food photographer. You could be a caterer. You could work banquets. There are a lot of different avenues that were always there, but weren't always sort of an option um, to make a living. So what, what percentage then wants to be, what, what percentage is, I don't want to phrase this the wrong way, but like their, their end goal is not to climb a ladder or become a chef or to leave the kitchen, but their end goal, they went to school or they trained to become a cook and want to be a cook. At a restaurant. I think everybody wants to become a chef now. Right. Right. It's just, there's so much knowledge and, and history. This is sort of what you're talking about, which is like, if I'm hearing this right, culinary school is really teaching you maybe some of the mechanics to become a cook, but not giving you the skill set to be a chef. Yeah, And I'm torn. I don't want people to take a pull quote out of this. I I, I just want to give the position because I don't want to be the person where, it, 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 dissuading somebody that should be going to cooking school, mm-hmm. right? And they're not malicious, evil things, maybe. But like, <laughs> I just have a hard time with the return on investment that you're putting into cooking school to say that, hey, I'm now going to make fraction of the dollars that I'm ever going to make to pay back a student loan, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think we should adopt something that's more similar to what Germany has with an apprenticeship program mm-hmm. where I think they put a cap on every year. They want only want like 65% of their, you know, high school graduates to enter college because mm-hmm. 100% is what America wants, but that's too high. And, you know, I have a friend that's German and his uh, cousin is like one of the best brewers out there. Mm-hmm. And I remember he was like, cause I met him. He's like, he didn't go to college. He was like age 14. He became, an apprentice at a brewery. I'm like, what? You know, our, our good friend Renee dropped out of high school, like 13, started mm-hmm. cooking professionally when he was 15. I think it's a different setup. So in Europe, it sort of makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Then in America, where it feels like the American dream is at your fingertips. Yeah, I, I think I think that that's I think that's right. It's and it's a different social setup for sure. It, it, there is just m- metrics and I think um, a floor that's been set for people, say, in Copenhagen. Right. Then it's, well, okay, let's, it's not so bitterly hard, potentially. Let's try this so that the, so the answer to, so you want to go to culinary school is not just a flat don't. Regardless, yeah, so <laughs> but regardless of whether or not it's worth the, you know, the juice is worth the squeeze, whether it's, it was, it was worthwhile financially or time-wise, is there something that you can point to in your, having gone to culinary school, like something you got out of it? Something that uh, does. Well, we talked about it. I, what I got out of it was, and I love my instructors. I really did. What I got out of it was, you know, impressed upon me. What I had to learn mm-hmm. wasn't going to happen there. Mm-hmm. Right. I did. I enjoyed cooking school, but there's not one thing I learned there that I could not have learned in cooking school or on my own or with the, you know, $2 in late fields, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Will Hunting style. Really? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and when I see what's available on YouTube and with all of the information via cookbooks on the internets, you can learn so much. Like if you just want to learn how to, again, clean foie gras. That was an impossible thing to visualize 25 years ago, mm-hmm. right? 
that there's a a lobe. I mean, there's a grades, there's a bigger lobe and a lesser, like a smaller lobe and the veins, blah, blah, blah. You can now find all kinds of ways to do that. It doesn't mean you're going to learn how to do that, but the knowledge is more accessible. And if I had to go back today, the reason to go to cooking school was that was the access to information. Right. 2023 moving forward, that information is everywhere. So why to me do I need that? Who's the custodian of that information? It's no longer the provenance of just right. cooking schools. So you, you, you could teach yourself that. And, and I think you could be very successful at it. So that's all I want to say is before, if you're thinking like, I got to take a student loan, I got to, it's going to take forever. Maybe you should reconsider, mm-hmm. right? And go to a, a, the best school you possibly can. State schools are great. In-state tuition and go work at a restaurant. Yeah. And I also say this is probably the best metric before you even think about going to cooking school. Get a job washing this. I've said this time and time again. So you want to go to cooking school? If you want to just ignore everything I just said, and we should probably say this at the top of the podcast, just go to minute 47. <laughs> Too long. Didn't listen. Uh-huh. Go wash dishes in a restaurant. And if you still want to do it. Wash dishes. That. Not just for one night. Do it for like a week. Do it for two weeks. Just knock on a restaurant door and say, I want to work. What do you want to do? I want to wash dishes. <laughs> I promise. I want to clean up, take out the trash. I can't imagine one restaurant saying, I don't know. <laughs> Are you a narc or something? Like, yeah, totally. No one's going to say no to that. And if you can do that and you finish your service, you're like, hey, I enjoyed this. There's something about this. As difficult as it is, they're like, I could do this. On the other hand, I'm just specifically really talking about restaurant cooking. If you want to be a caterer, there's other ways to do this. And you definitely don't need to go to a cooking school then. If you want to become a food writer, you don't need to. If you want to become a food photographer, you don't need to do this. There's a lot of things that are told to you to sign up for cooking school that I think are false promises Mm -hmm. for the most part. And I wanted to bring this up because of this conversation I've had with this younger gentleman that I know. And I know that a lot of people tend to ask, which inevitably gets to me, is like, hey, I somebody that's thinking about going to cook school. I don't want to be a jerk and say, don't go. I just think you should do some deep soul searching to be like, number one, if I go, is it going to set me back financially? Two, even if it doesn't set you back financially, is this what you want to do? Because, listen, I wanted to quit cooking immediately but i was too pot committed and i told everybody i was going to do it so that's legitimately the only reason why i I stayed in it was just sheer embarrassment but you're going to want to quit almost everybody thinks that way and it's healthy to do so so i just think there's more options available and you don't have to go to cooking school that's all you don't have to at all and i would really recommend you know getting a job washing dishes seeing it that way and if you're not the kind of person that is inquisitive curious and as a continual self-starter in learning, you're more than likely not going to make it regardless. Right. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's, it's all, I think what you're sort of saying is before you hire a task rabbit to build your Ikea furniture, why don't you try to do it yourself first? Because if you're not going to do it yourself, you're not going to make it anyway. And I'm telling you this fully aware that this is just my opinion. And if Kwame was here or someone else, 
that I'm friends with, they would tell me, hey, don't listen to that fucking thing he has to say. He's a stupid motherfucker that puts his, you know, just don't. But I would also say though. <laughs> but I, I mean, that's fair. But I think what you are saying is if you want to become a chef or work in the culinary industry and you think that culinary school is the only way in, that is not true. And I also say, you know, I just met the, the executive chef for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to work in restaurants, you still need a CV. And in order to get these cool gigs elsewhere, because that's a fu- cool, cool fucking job. fucking job. You need to have some credentials that gets you into the door. So the reason why I don't say like working at, you know, fancy restaurants are the be all end all. Like if you want to do something else, it's like getting into an Ivy league school. It's like, okay, it doesn't mean you're fucking smart. If you went to Harvard, clearly. <laughs> right. But when you tell people you graduated from Harvard, I was like, Oh, maybe we give this kid a shot. And working at certain restaurants is like having an Ivy League degree that allows you to do something completely different. So that's the only reason why I think there is an emphasis on working at some of these fucking places. Anyway, we've talked about this long enough. And I'm sure there's somebody in your life that's thinking about it. Just get a job. You have to anyway. I I do think that the good thing about CIA, there's a lot of good things. You need to work at a restaurant for a couple of years before you even apply. But I think the barrier of entry is too low and we need to raise our standards and admissions for people that are going to the colony. I would be all for that. I think education is fucking amazing. I would love it if we just made it more impactful for people. Mm. And I just get very, very bummed out and upset when you see people that spent a lot of money and they're like, I'm never going to be able to pay this loan back. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that's. I've had a lot of choice words with a lot of admissions people because hmm. I, I, I fundamentally find that, you know, wrong yeah. to be able to tell them, Hey, you're going to be, you're going to be a great chef one day. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> right. You're going to be a great chef one day. There are no uh, admissions qualifications. <laughs> you can get in. Yeah. All right. We'll, 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 we'll take a break and we'll get back to you with some bad Yelp reviews. We're still going to work out this segment. <laughs> but the other day, Ying wasn't there. It was Gabby and, you know, and myself. And just going off this idea of ones and fives and maybe doing a deeper dive on people that leave really shitty fucking reviews on Yelp. And not everyone's a shitty person on Yelp. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And we don't want to just do Yelp. I think there's TripAdvisor. There's Google reviews. But at some point, we got to just sort of make light of some of these bad reviews. And that's what we're going to do. (laughs) There's some good ones. And I'm just going to not even say the name of the restaurant. But it's a Vietnamese restaurant. There's no name. Thank God, you know, took out the names because I definitely out them. Or dox them. You're going to dox these motherfuckers. This person writes about a Vietnamese restaurant. Should we just say the name of the restaurant? Let's not read negative reviews of restaurants. Let's not double down on that. So it's it's a Vietnamese restaurant here in Southern California. What we're going to do is keep tabs of all these people writing shitty reviews of restaurants. Mm-hmm. And I, I made the joke. It's, 
we're not going to out them now. We want to like, it's, it's like a, a drug bust where the DEA, we don't want to take the low level. We're going for the kingpins. We're going, we want to see how far this goes. Okay. We don't want the corner dealers. Yeah, we don't We're want the corner dealers. The- we want the big fucking, you know, we want to do real police work. So overall, a pretty poor experience. One star. One star place was empty with no lights on in the middle of the day place reeked of cleaning products and we're talking about a vietnamese restaurant serving pho right off the bat i'll tell you that's these are all positives for fucking me <laughs> i'm in for all empty, of this no lights place smell the cleaning products check plus check plus <laughs> check plus for me all, all good signs the owners don't speak any english and hit trouble even pointing to the numbers on the menu another positive for me <laughs> okay but my problem the, the sentence says the owners don't speak any English and had trouble even with pointing to the numbers on their menu. You are not allowed to criticize somebody's English and write a fucking sub-English sentence that does not make any sense. Oh, that's sense. another thing. All these motherfuckers, I don't say the motherfuckers writing shitty reviews are the... You, you, you cannot. Like, I said I cannot write. You guys give me hope that I can write. You cannot criticize people's English and be this fucking bad at writing in English. Oh, we're definitely keeping tabs on this motherfucker. Because I went down a rabbit hole on this person. I was like, this son of a bitch. Oh, the rabbit holes are amazing. This son of a bitch. We need to arrest this person. We, can, we, we need to ban this person from all restaurants. <laughs> they gave me two of the dish. Nice one. They gave me two of the dish, which I honestly was. This is <laughs> word for word. They gave me two of the dish, which I honestly was an attempt to pad the bill, considering we went over and I gestured for one when asked. <laughs> what? The food itself was not as described on the menu. I didn't get up half the things listed on the dish. That's not me making a mistake. That's a, literally to finish things off. They rounded up TH, no E, the check and gave me no change. I mean, God, I want out this person so bad. What does this mean? Like this, this, I'm losing it. This is a complaint about how they misinterpreted your order. They misinterpreted and gave you two of the same dish, but you are communicating this complaint. And the way you have communicated this complaint is they gave me two of the dish, which I honestly was an attempt to pad the bill considering we went over and I gestured for one when asked, I wonder why they had trouble interpreting your order. (laughs) I wonder. We're going moving on to uh, one of my favorite restaurants. One star review. This was left literally a day ago in Cape Town. First, overly expensive. The staff didn't explain the difference in the prices and menu selection. They put in food, they put food in front of you like a dog. The meat was not great. My <laughs> expectations were high when I first got there, but then the service spoke for itself. I would recommend anyone spending $150 on this place. This doesn't make any sense. There are Plenty of places to have great Korean barbecue to be treated nicely. <laughs> How is putting food in front of you being treated like a dog? I mean, I guess in a literal sense, I've put food in front of my dog, but my dog is treated like royalty. You know, can I just say the name of this restaurant? Yeah, it's fucking Parks Barbecue. This motherfucker. Come on, dude. And there's other parks. There's other parks, one-star reviews, where I just get very, very mad. 
And well, this is like the least offensive of them all. It's like the most, the, the, the stupidest thing about this is this is a complaint about service. <laughs> Show me a, go to another restaurant where they're like cooking your fucking meat, cutting it for you, putting it on your plate for you. <laughs> like, yeah, they're treating you like a dog insofar as that you are incapable of feeding yourself. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, there's so many. This one uh, is very long, but I will also say it. this is a restaurant. I'm just going to say it because we're promoting these restaurants because these are idiots that are leaving stupid fucking one-star reviews. Rich Crab in Cape Town. I love this restaurant. I think it's fucking fantastic. And uh, I, I try to go there as much as I can. And they're known for their kejang, their, their crab and their seafood dishes. This was left peak pandemic too. We were recommended by a friend about this place. I had the courage to try this Korean delicacy and for $18.99 for a single soy crab. I was open for that. Again, this is their fucking English. I was open for that since I am traveling from afar on a budget. I get there and I see the option for $18.99 soy crab, but they scratched it out with permanent marker. Waiter tells me it's now $32.99. Price gouging is still happening. Since I have always wanted to give it a try, I went ahead and tried it. Nice one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in their defense, makes sense. Since I've always wanted to try it, I tried it. Very good. That's alliteration. Listen, listen, that's, that's, you can't argue that logic. This motherfucker. (laughs) We left paying no tip because we felt it was overpriced and customer service was all right. We received our receipt and it, (laughs) we received our receipt and it showed $35.50 total, including tax. We gave them our card, and our new receipt showed $39.80. Did not show it. There was gratuity either. Kind of fishy, so we did not tip. Parking is horrible, so we had to park across the street. The lady waiter chased us down and refused to let my husband close the door, asking why no tip. I don't know. I didn't know it was mandatory! Exclamation point. My husband started arguing with her because she wouldn't let us go, so I gave her some tip and we left. Never in my life has this happened, so I felt the need to write this. Their hospitality turned to hostility. Summary. Thank you. We need to summarize. Price gouging gouging happens here. And although service is not great, they expect tip. If not, they will chase you down. Taste review. As my first time trying, I felt like there was not much flavor in the meat as I ate it. Sauce is not overly salty, which is good, but I feel that there is better. I was looking for that buttery umami taste, but I just didn't have it. Side note, this husband of theirs writes the same fucking review, trashing rich crap. Uh, can I just say, if this is your first time trying something, why are you looking for a specific? Why, would, why the fuck would you know what you're looking for? That, like, how can it be your first time trying it and you have a critique of the flavor of this thing? It's the first time you've tried it, which you've said seven or eight times here. You have no idea what it is, but you are criticizing whether it's done correctly. And listen, this is also in 2021. Rich Crab had just opened up and more than likely with inflation. And if I need to explain inflation to you and you're fucked, right? Like, it's quite possible they printed in the menu and now it's more expensive. Who gives a fuck? Right. Also, they saved a bunch of paper by not reprinting the menus. <laughs> if they wanted to scratch it out, who gives a fuck? It's now priced the way it is. That is not price gouging. Changing the price of something is not price gouging. 
they didn't leave it as $18.99 on the menu and not tell you it was $32.99. I'm so happy that they chased you down and gave you shit. <laughs> I love it. I, I'm so happy because guess what? Like, it's not even about the money. I think it's to them, it was just disrespectful, right? They served you what they thought was great food. I love the food there, and you thought it was not all that. Can I actually can I actually say I don't believe that? Have you ever I cannot imagine. I can't imagine. Uh, there's probably a ton of people who go to, I'm sorry to say, go to Asian restaurants and don't tip. I've never seen anybody be chased down like that. I don't, I don't buy it. I just flat out don't buy it. That I happened. buy it and I think it's awesome. <laughs> they should have maybe like, you know, can I, can I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave my comments. I'll stop talking there. Can I read? Can I read a one that's not on our thing that I that sure. I happened to copy the other day? I was looking for. I was uh, in some little town looking for restaurants, and there was a sushi restaurant. And the only thing I could find about it was these Yelp reviews. And uh, this person gave a one star review. <laughs> that's that said, we will never go back to this place. We got a small order just so we could try it out. Not many places were open on a Sunday afternoon. We we order two albacore, one California roll, spicy tuna roll, and a miso. Blah 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 blah. The California roll was so bland. They use fake crab meat sticks with a crab meat mixed with mayo rather than maracapone. <laughs> mascarpone. <laughs> oh my god! It's not. It doesn't say mascarpone. It says maracapone. I feel like the crab meat stick is like having convenience store sushi or something a kid makes at home. The, this complaint, Chang, is this California roll was bland because instead of using mascarpone cheese, <laughs> they used mayo. Who are you people? Let's move on to a new dumbass. There's This is a, a restaurant, again, that I recently visited. And I think it's awesome. And I was trying to do the restaurant next door to the restaurant. And, and it's also, quite frankly, one of maybe the best eating. We, I've told you, you know, we need to do a whole roundup of best eating plazas. Not just in mm. America, but not in LA, but America at large. And where there's Kobawu, there's the barbecue spot. There's the new Solongtang Korean soup spot that I haven't visited. All of it looks great. And I love it when a, a, a shopping mall pops off. There's a new, a new fried chicken spot open up there. And I ate there recently, and I thought it was delicious. It's called 77 Kentucky, and I, I love this. Now it's a dilemma. Same plaza as Kobo Wu. When you go there, now you can have a real tasting menu. Right? <laughs> you could, I could literally go to each one of these restaurants, and I haven't had the pho at the pho shop, but I bet you it's awesome because it's always busy. You can, eat, this is the exact kind of situation you want to be in. You park your car. It's always impossible to park your car there. And you could want to get bosam and kobawu, but you're like, ah, I could get pho. Ah, let's get some, you know, salangtang. Wow, but that cream fried. You don't even know. Roulette. Anywhere you choose, it's going to be good. That's a great problem to have. I, listen, I, I, I've been to 77, 77 Kentucky once. I'm definitely going to go back again. I spent time. I saw the operation. I thought it was fucking great. And this bonehead review. I ordered a fried chicken and a marinated chicken. When chicken arrived, the visuals were horrendous. Tasted it as if they electronically fried or deep fried at least five times throughout the day. I gave the owner a call. 
Poor customer service as expected, just like the taste of their doo-doo food. I told him, I'm not asking for a refund or a new chicken. Just admit that you served me some beet fried chicken. I told him that this is going straight to garbage. Please update my edit. So dumb, dumb. It was really important to this person that they get an admission so, of. Yeah. If you want, now that you're here, I'm just telling everybody like who you are. And you got your wish. It's now broadcast. But you're a fucking dumb, dumb. Because guess what? Multiple frying, making Korean fried chicken is frying it multiple fucking times. Mm-hmm. You cannot make Korean fried chicken unless you're frying it sometimes four to five times mm-hmm. throughout the day. That's literally how you make Korean fried chicken. Hey, what is electronically fried? Mean? It's like going to baseball. Can you believe they're swinging a bat at a ball? Motherfuckers. That's how they do it. Going to Lakers game. That guy tried to dunk the ball. I went to this game. One star. This guy, this tall guy jumped up and he threw the ball into the hoop with his hand. Unacceptable. <laughs> They're doing it all wrong. I mean, it, they kicked this ball through at the net. Yeah. This game called soccer. Can you believe that? I mean, they put the beer in a cup and they drank it. I, I mean, there are, listen, I'm looking at the fried chicken and it looks fucking awesome. It looks, I keep on looking at it being like, the visuals are horrendous. What are you talking about? That looks my blood delicious. Is, my blood is boiling at, at, at this. But there, it's a new restaurant. You should support it. They're doing great fucking work. It's delicious. And you don't need bullshit like this. I mean, I don't, it's hard you, enough. Listen, there are, there are bad experiences. You can have a bad experience at a restaurant. You can, there are restaurants that are, not good, but that's not what we're talking about here. This is this, this whole, this last review really summarizes the whole thing. This is somebody who is just interested in being heard. Like this is an angry, this is an angry person. I called the owner just to say, admit that you serve me doo-doo food. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? A couple more. Um, and I won't name this restaurant. Because I can't even pronounce the name. <laughs> but I've been there many times. I was craving fish, so I tried to give XXX a try. Well, the fish was salty, and so was the other food. So that was a really bad sign. I was okay until I was driving, and I realized that I really needed to go dot, dot, dot. So I made a pit stop, and the diarrhea really came out. Taco Bell style. Stomach took a beating for a night, never coming back. You know what? The more more likely situation is why you had diarrhea, this fucking motherfucker, (laughs) is that they wiped their ass and they forgot to wash their hands and they gave diarrhea to themselves. It's more likely because you cannot get diarrhea from eating something and then getting diarrhea 30 minutes later. (laughs) Yeah. The human human metabolism doesn't work that way. This is insane. This person is insane. You don't get immediate diarrhea from. Ta- I'm talking to Chris Yang, who who is <laughs> diarrhea king. <laughs> I am the king of diarrhea. This is not how. If okay, if I'm an expert in anything, it's diarrhea, and this is not how you get it. This is insane. This is uh, uh, this is this is the definition of post hoc ergo propter hoc. It happened after, therefore, it was because of. These reviews matter, and you can't. This f- 
fucking person is giving them a one star review because of something that happened to them completely unrelated. Like this is, I hate this same restaurant. It's the worst Sichuan food I've ever eaten in LA. I came here after seeing a coworker ordering takeout for lunch and smelling good. That sizzling tofu is completely raw tofu. This looks like it's been cooked for less than a minute. Immediately put on the iron pan. The tofu was completely raw and tasteless. And even the iron plates were cold. How can this be called sizzling tofu? Where is the sizzling sound? Second point they make. The service here should be called silent service. No greeting said a word. The waitress just put a water on the table with a blank face and immediately turned to leave. Didn't even ask us what we would like to drink. I actually prefer warm water. It's not spicy. It's not salty. It's not Sichuan food at all. Worst service. Man, One star. Can I, can I do a little bit of Sherlocking here? Yeah. Knock yourself out. Based on these two complaints, the first complaint was there was no sizzling sound to the tofu. And the second complaint was that the server was silent. I'm no Benedict Cumberbatch here, but this person might just have a hearing problem. <laughs> they couldn't hear anything. There's nothing that they describe that I think is a negative. Everything they describe is a positive. But I genuinely think this person couldn't hear the sizzle and couldn't hear the waiter. They might just not be able to hear. <laughs> what, what I really want to do, guys, is fo- like follow these one-star... Because we're trying to identify the perpetual one-star Yelp reviewers and just, just keep on talking about We're going to dig in deeper. And I'm just saying, I'm willing to bet if that we kept on reading reviews from this last person, there would be a lot of complaints about not hearing things. <laughs> and it might be, it might just be a, a character flaw and not a restaurant flaw. It's not the restaurant's fault many times. I mean, listen, restaurants make mistakes all the time, but many of the times it certainly is the diner's fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maybe that's the, what we should call this segment. It's your fault. <laughs> One star customers. One star customers. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Uh, thank you again. Give us five stars. Uh, visit us on Discord at Um Yeah, we'll talk to you soon.